Hey everyone, welcome to the EcoBite podcast, where we will be diving into topics around the environmental industry. If you'd like more context to our conversation and or a crash course on the topic at hand, please view the EcoBite video recording before getting started. Either way, enjoy. All right, welcome to EcoBite. I'm joined by one of my good friends, Grace Donnelly, executive editor for CTVC, and as always, my co-host, Chris Fleming, and I am Liv Haney of EcoBot. Grace, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to participate in this podcast. Of course, I'm excited to chat. So, Grace, I just want to start this off and just, you know, we, we hear a lot of terms these days um, and over the past several years, and, you know, now you're here to talk about climate tech, but, you know, I've also heard about clean tech and green tech. I was wondering if you could just sort of, you know, walk us through those those different terms and give us an overview. Yeah, it's tough to parse sometimes. And that's honestly part of the origin story of CTBC when our co-founders, Kim and Sophie, started writing the newsletter in early 2020. It was hard to determine where those definitions fell and um, kind of the taxonomy they've created around what climate tech means helps us think more about it as as a theme rather than industry um, and and lays out, you know, ways to determine which types of technologies are are really geared toward climate, you know, mitigation, measurement, um, or um, adaptation, et cetera. So I think with green tech, uh, it's it's a little bit too mushy of, of a term. I think a lot of things can fall in that. Um, and I, with clean tech, that specifically, I think, means something to investors um, because there was, you know, the clean tech kind of 1.0 wave of, of companies that were in clean energy that had some big failures, had some big successes as well. But um, I think that clean clean tech sort of uh, was a bit of a dirty word in some ways for investors for a while. And so climate tech, um, you know, brings us away from that and also encompasses some some areas of technology geared toward emissions reductions or or measurement, et cetera, that, that weren't really being developed back in kind of the clean tech 1.0 wave. Awesome. That was a good explanation. Help yeah. me understand it. Yeah, thank you. Piggybacking off of the uh, sort of final statement of what the broad scale investment trends are um, mm-hmm. for the first half of 2023, was the investment down across all of your subsectors that you mentioned, or is there some that we see that are increasing while others are maybe dramatically decreasing? Or how does that average out when you look in at each specific sector? Yeah, absolutely. So in in our report about the first six months of investment activity in 2023, we found that overall funding dropped about 40%, um, but that did look very different across different sectors of technology and also across companies that are in different stages of their growth. Um, so we did see a big drop-off. Most of the drop-off is, is from funding in transportation and energy, which have traditionally been the, the largest sectors. They're, they're attracting the most deals, the most most funding um, out of our kind of climate tech subsector categories. Um, and so that was driven in part by the fact that growth funding later stage funding for companies that are not so early on are ready to start scaling are ready to start building and and you know going to market and reaching 
their customers, that that saw the biggest drop off. Um, early stage funding for climate tech companies actually increased um, in the first half of 2023. So there is still support there for some of these very new innovative ideas um, that are just emerging. And I think you're, you're seeing that investors were a little more hesitant to cut really big checks to companies that need a lot of capital to start to continue growing. Um, and, you know, there are a few, a few different factors there underlying those trends. Um, there, there's been so much investment in climate tech, I mean, in transportation and in energy over the last few years. And you've seen really large companies come out of those sectors. You've seen a wave of um, SPAC exits, you know, special purpose acquisition companies. You've seen, you know, transportation companies take that route. And so there are kind of a wave of companies that already grew to a certain amount, um, grew to a certain stage, attracted a lot of money. Um, and now a lot of the deals you're seeing are, are kind of the, the next wave of companies are some of the kind of enabling tech. So even the the deals and the funding that was happening in, in um, something like transportation, it, it was more maybe, you know, EV charging companies. It was maybe more um, software that's going to optimize batteries or manage fleet charging, things like that, that are more enabling tech and not necessarily just batteries and the electric vehicles themselves. It really, really differed the trends across what type of tech and the stage of the company. And we actually saw built environment funding increase slightly. Um, and I think that's a sector that's been underinvested in so far. Um, and it seems like there is more interest now in um, some of those technologies with the caveat that 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 segment of climate tech has, is, is starting from a much smaller base than what we're seeing in, in transportation and energy over the last few years. Yeah. Can you elaborate on what is, what is this built environment? Okay. So at CTVC, we think about climate tech in a couple different ways. Um, we've broken it out into seven climate verticals, which include energy. So that's, you know, clean power generation, anything from, from wind and solar to grid management to hydrogen, things like that. We have food and land use, which includes, you know, innovation in agriculture, um, nature restoration. We have transportation, which is electric vehicles, batteries, micromobility, aviation, all those kinds of things. A built environment, which is really about building materials. So innovation in, in construction um, that reduces emissions, um, whether that's cement um, or also heating and cooling, like heat pumps and energy efficiency technology. Then there's carbon, uh, which includes, you know, carbon removal, point source, carbon capture, um, carbon marketplaces. Then we have climate management, which is a little more about measurement, um, you know, earth observation technologies, tracking emissions, assessing climate risk. And then industrial is the seventh, which includes, um, you know, manufacturing, metals and mining, steel, all these, all these kinds of activities um, and tech that would, would help mitigate um, climate impact there. And so companies have to fit within one of those seven verticals and then also be either monitoring, mitigating, adapting, or removing um, um, greenhouse gas emissions, basically. So there, there, there are kind of four functions 
that if you fall into, you know, one of those seven categories and also are addressing one of those actions, um, that's how we decide, like, this is a climate deal. This is a climate tech company. Um, and this kind of gets included in our assessment of, of trends in the space. You know, you were talking about the trends you all saw over the first, well, the previous two years and then the first six months of, of this year. Every day I turn on the news and it's forest fires, record heat yeah. you know, indexes, you know, uh, nobody has water or there's too much water. Um, uh, are you seeing potentially more investment, you know, con- you know, considering all that's going on right now and, and the, the rest of this year? And into the future. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a hypothesis that some people had, you know, that this is this is urgent, this is this is happening. And despite, you know, what might be happening in the rest of the economy, we have to continue to invest in in these solutions. Um and I mean on on some level, there is so much funding um coming into climate technology. I mean, we're not only we're we're focused on tracking, you know, venture capital deals. Uh, but there are estimates that we need to spend about $9 trillion annually on climate in order to really, through 2050, in order to really meet our goals. Um, and that's about nine times the annual investment we're seeing right now. Um, and, you know, venture capital is only about $40 billion of that total. So it's kind of this small segment um, that really shows what's happening kind of in, in the earliest stages, especially. Um, and so it, it really requires investment from a lot of different kinds of, of capital allocators. And I think one of the things we're trying to do is, is bring that awareness to founders, to climate tech founders. You know, where do you need to go if you need to build your first factory or um, pilot plant or something? How do, you, how do you get the resources to start, to start that? Um, and so... There is investment still happening, um, but I mean, I I'm talking to you guys in in a week where we've had, you know, record heat days more more days of the week than not, um, and so it does it does feel sometimes like there's there's not enough urgency necessarily from from other financial institutions that could be supporting these these industries. Um, it is a critical time though, because you do have all of this government support coming in from the Inflation Reduction Act, from the IIJA, from the CHIPS Act, like all these things are working together and really changing the economic equation for some of these climate technologies. Um, and so it's an opportunity to really put those resources behind the solutions that are, are most needed. Um, but it, it feels very overwhelming seeing the news every day, I think, you know, and, and, some technologies, I think there's a clear connection there between what's what we're seeing happening in the world and what innovators are trying to solve for. I don't know. I don't know if I have any other thoughts on that, but yeah. It's, no, that's a good yeah. breakdown. I think, uh, or one other thing I guess I want, I want to ask you about is you mentioned a lot of different funding sources. So we've got government grants, um, and then why is venture capital funding important for climate tech? What about the process of VC funding, um, the goals of VC funding? How is that type of of funding going to positively affect uh, climate tech growth rather than just like 
it's more money. Is it is there anything specific about VC funding that really sets it apart? So with the the venture capital model, um, I think you're you're able to invest in earlier stage companies, riskier companies. You're you're giving an investment that buys you equity in a company. So you're providing funding, but you're you're owning a piece of the company and betting that it will grow and be successful and eventually go public or be acquired. And then you will get a giant return on your investment. Um, but also knowing that you're going to put money into a lot of companies that don't make it, that, that, you know, never, never go anywhere. And so I think that allows venture capital to back technologies that are a little earlier stage, you know, they're, they're tech that may not be proven yet. It's this ecosystem of really, Thinking in big ideas, I think thinking about changing the world, I think a lot of people that get into the startup realm really have that kind of mindset. Um, and so I think investing in climate tech is, you know, a, a natural progression of, of that thinking in the world that we live in. But I think one challenge um, people are finding is that a lot of successful VC investments have been very focused on software companies. Um, they know how to do that well, that the ecosystem understands how to, how to scale a software company and and what kinds of resources they need. I think now that we're trying to build a lot of hard tech, we're trying to build infrastructure, we're trying to build, you know, manufacturing um, for for these new technologies. Um, that's a little bit trickier um, from a financial standpoint. And I think you're finding that that companies may get to a certain size and raising another round of venture capital funding might not be the best option for them. Um, selling more equity in the company just to build projects or, or something like that when they're trying to scale. Well, we talk about the kind of climate capital stack and, and where, where resources and, and financing is, is coming from and, and what options, you know, startups have. Um, and so we're hitting a place where a lot of the hard tech companies that are trying to scale they don't, it's not uh, beneficial for them necessarily to do that through venture funding, um, but there's still technologies that are not proven enough to secure um, project financing through or commercial loans. You know, they can't just go to a big bank and say, I want to build my first project with this brand new technology. Can I have some money, please? They're like, no, this is too risky. We're not going to, we're not going to be able to, we don't think we'll be able to recoup our investment. So we're not we're not going to lend to these kind of companies. Um, so I think, I think we're at a stage where the, the VC support has been very crucial in, in establishing and starting to grow some of these companies. Um, and I think there are, you know, we, you asked about government funding as well. I think, you know, if companies can get grant funding that they don't have to pay back, um, that isn't, you know, taking a piece of the company to, that the government owns or something, you know, um, that that's also helpful. And, and that kind of concessionary or catalytic capital that people talk about where early on, maybe you're getting uh, a grant, maybe you're getting a very low interest rate or, or something like that, um, or an investment from someone who doesn't expect a huge return um, and really wants to put the money to use to solve these problems more than, more than to, you know, get uh, returns back to their investors. Um, so I think we, we hear a lot about kind of this valley of death um, for these companies where, you know, they've scaled to a certain stage and, and then are finding it difficult to 
get the financing and resources they need to get all the way to kind of commercial scale um, and, and really widespread adoption of these technologies. So again, while, while venture is a piece that we've been focused on, we have been writing more and, and discussing more with our, our audience, other, other types of financial institutions, other types of lenders, other types of capital allocators that are out there to support um, these sort of projects. We're, the um, Department of Energy Loan Programs Office is, is one that's really working directly in that space. They're, they're, they go through a really rigorous diligence process to be able to vet riskier technology and say, you know, we have Department of Energy experts here who can tell us for sure or tell us with more, you know, confidence whether this is a company that's going to work out or not. And so we're willing to take what other investors might see as a riskier bet um, and give this company, you know, really, really large checks coming out of that office, you know, hundreds of millions to billions of dollars even to to build facilities or, or otherwise, you know, scale these technologies. Um, and we just saw on Friday there was um, the first notice out for the EPA's Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund, which will also put $27 billion into green banks and, and other institute, financial institutions that are lending specifically with the goal of funding clean energy projects um, and getting those to a place where more of kind of the traditional banks or other lenders you might think of would be more willing to provide um, loans or or support to, to those kind of projects. So um, I feel like that was a really lengthy answer, but the, it's important. Um, I think because that's how, that's how, you know, our company building ecosystem works, especially um, in the U S and Europe. Um, but there are a lot of other steps along the way and a lot of other types of investors and types of um, resources and support that, that go into actually, successfully taking a company from from early stage all the way through to commercial success. So with with the ESG goals of so many, you know, large companies now, are you seeing sort of spin-off subsidiaries of those companies coming up with capital to fund some of these startup programs? Yeah, that's definitely a trend where we're keeping an eye on and seeing more of is that you have, you know, venture arms of big corporations. You really have corporate involvement more in some of these emerging technologies than we've seen in the past. Um, and whether that is, you know, having, having, like you said, some, some department of the company, some amount of resources that are dedicated to investing kind of as a VC entity into early technologies, or you're seeing a lot of big companies who are making agreements or, or um, kind of advanced purchase guarantees um, for certain products. Like you're seeing the, the Frontier Fund, um, which is a group of corporations that are committing to buying carbon removal, um, which is very expensive right now. But they're they're saying, you know, we're going to give these companies that are trying to scale this and, and develop this a guarantee that they're going to have a customer to buy it. Um, and so I think you're seeing a lot of that as well in different um, types of technologies where the the big corporations who, as you say, are trying to meet their 2030, 2035, like rapidly approaching climate goals that they've set out, um, 
they are getting involved earlier on with some of the solutions that they'll use to get there. So they're um, helping fund, sometimes agreeing to being a guaranteed purchaser or off taker, and then also working with companies on pilot projects saying, you know what, you can, you can use one of our facilities to install your big industrial heat pump that you need to prove works in, in the same way that our gas boiler works and we'll let you, you know, try that out. And that way you can prove to others in this industry that this is a solution that works um, within the processes that already exist. That's awesome. Do you think that, I mean, venture capitalist firms typically, like you were saying, come in relatively early on, they're, they're willing to take riskier bets. Um, therefore it seems like VCs can kind of set the trend on, who to invest with Mm -hmm. and um, what's what the future of of climate tech is and what the future of um, just investing in general. Do you think that that responsibility, like do we need more responsibility put on VCs to continue to push that needle or does there need to be a more symbiotic relationship between, okay, VC can take us this far. And once we get to a certain point, then we need to bring in, traditional funding or um, looking into more government funding or international type funding efforts. What does that relationship look like? Yeah, I think as we've talked about that, that VC firms are just one piece of this larger capital stack. Um, And it has to be a team effort. I mean, it has, it has to be everybody committed to, actually supporting the solutions that we need. Um, and I think I think that sometimes um, within, you know, the venture capital ecosystem, you can get these cycles of hype where all the firms are trying to invest in this new thing that is, you know, I mean, you're seeing it with AI right now. Like everybody wants to be investing in AI. Um, and so I think there is a risk of driving trends too much based on the newest thing, you know, the most exciting potential um, and not maybe, I think I talked to a lot of people in climate tech who say they work on unsexy problems. I mean, a lot of people, (laughs) you know, solutions for industry or, or, you know, how to make a chemical process less harmful to the environment and to greenhouse gas emissions. These aren't consumer facing parts of our economy. And I think, um, you know, some people view them as like not as exciting, but they're super important. Um, And I think we see that in the mismatch between the venture funding that certain verticals have attracted and, and the amount of emissions they're responsible for. So, I mean, we have outsized funding for transportation um, because we've had a ton of money going into electric vehicles, which are fun and exciting and people can go out and buy one. Um, And you have, you know, very, very little in comparison going into, um, the built environment or into um, heavy industry. And um, so so I think sometimes um, while there are a lot of people very committed to doing good work and supporting um, technologies that will help us build a better future, there, there is a risk of, of overhyping certain things. And uh, I think we need to continuously have more inclusive conversations where people, different stakeholders, people with different responsibilities and different views of 
how this is going to work across, you know, different industries deserve to be heard as well. We can't just base everything off of, off of, you know, the latest, the latest and greatest. Yeah. 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 From just your experience in like the media world, how can messaging be improved? How can these processes, these unsexy processes, unsexy is a new word that is going to be stuck in my head, but how can these processes that aren't as glamorous and um, aren't as accessible to everyday consumers or people, how can the importance of the stuff going on behind the scenes still be messaged to the larger audience and uh, still be understood um, to be important across investors or or anyone? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think everything I just said about the hype, I mean, coverage of technology definitely plays a role in that um, as well, in, in which stories get written about what types of, of technology. I think this is a question I think about a lot. I don't know that I have a good answer yet. I think this is a lot of my work is, is trying to understand and break down complex topics that, you know, might make your eyes glaze over if you were to hear them in normal conversation. Um, but really make that accessible, make that information accessible to people um, and connect it back to the impact that certain industries have on emissions on, you know, reaching, reaching climate goals that we have. Um, I think it's, it's just about kind of connecting the dots and really asking the right questions. I found, I found that in some ways, not being an expert in any one part of, of this field is a benefit to me in doing my job well, because I ask all the stupid questions and then I get, you know, plain language answers to share with our readers that, that break down, why these things are so important um, and what types of technological approaches people are, are trying to take to solve them. So given, given what's going on all around us with the climate currently, mm-hmm. um, do you find that, um, you know, you, you're always trying to work the messaging, you know, for CTVC, do you find that, you know, larger outlets are more receptive to what you have to say, given what's going on right now? That larger outlets are more receptive to which to like your messaging. Like if you had, you know, your press releases Mm -hmm. are more people willing to pick those up. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my job at CTVC, I'm, I'm spearheading the editorial content. So we have a newsletter that comes out twice a week. Um, And one of our co-founders, Kim is also now CEO of, of the platform. When we, we raised venture capital money to create an intelligence platform with the goal of, of helping to educate investors on these topics, um, make make demystify this world of climate tech a little bit as, as big corporations um, and other organizations try and find the right tech match for the problems they're trying to solve. Um, but I'm, I'm focused really on creating, you know, we do a lot of Q&As, we do big deep dives on different um, technology areas or markets. Um, and our readers are... Uh, about 50,000 um, investors, founders, people who are working, you know, in a certain industry and focused on meeting sustainability goals, um, people working in government or academia um, on these topics. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to reach um, bigger media outlets in, in the day-to-day work that I'm doing, but I will say there was a lot of interest in 
what we found um, in the H1 funding report about what's been going on the first half of 2023. And I think there are a lot of eyes on on the funding happening uh, in this sector um, or within within climate tech because you do have all of this government government funding and government um, you know tax credits and things like that that are starting to flow into these areas. Um, so I think we we aren't necessarily geared toward reaching a super broad or, or big audience. We're, we're trying to reach um, decision makers and we're trying to um, get into the weeds on some of these things so that people within the industry can, you know, get a good sense of what's going on and people who are maybe in adjacent areas of, of climate tech um, stay up to date on, on that as well. Um, but I think the main goal of the work I'm, I'm doing on the newsletter is, is really breaking down some of these complex topics. I mean, we wrote, we wrote, and sometimes it's not exciting. We wrote 5,000 words about tax credits a couple of weeks back. Like that was how, how will the tax credits in the IRA work? Like what are the changes that have been made to these policies that will, that are aimed at opening up tax credit investments to a wider range of folks who have money to put into it? And so it, it gets really technical and sometimes it feels a little bit tunnel vision, I guess, you know, with everything else going on. But um, I think there, there is interest in what the focus is right now for, for early stage investors, for growth investors. And I think, I think the, the broader view is also really important. I mean, this is one part of the conversation, but I think because of, because of the math, because of the economics of how this works. I mean, I think there is a lot left out of the conversation when you are just focused on kind of VC trends. We're not, we're not talking as much about biodiversity. Um, we're not, you know, focused as much on the value of preserving the natural world. Um, you know, as, as much as people are focused on building new technology, um, you know, transforming industries that exist um, and kind of trying to have an impact there. And the reason I asked that is because I actually saw your report referenced outside of your website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, mean, I mean, yeah. it got traction it away yeah. from it did. your all's direct publication. Yeah, I wanted to, you sort of segued into it, but talking about the uh, expanded CTVC platform now, um, I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. But I also have a question of, do you think that CTVC can use something like the newsletter mm -hmm. um, and the platform to sort of spearhead some change? If, if we're not paying enough attention mm -hmm. to biodiversity, can you guys say, hey, we need to pay more attention to biodiversity and sort of set that trend, set that discussion in motion? Or are you more reactive to what's happening in, in the environment um, environment meaning the investment environment and the VC environment and climate tech in general, um, or is there space for CTBC to sort of take a proactive approach? Yeah, I think I think the answer is a little bit of both. I mean, we our, our Monday newsletter is really focused on kind of aggregating relevant news from the week, sharing the deals that have happened in the last seven days, um, and so the the writing I do for for that newsletter typically is a reaction to some, some headline that has happened 
in the last week. Um, but with our features that we publish on uh, Thursdays, it, it can be kind of anything. And I think the challenge is just that there's so much to talk about. And we, we do take it very seriously that we are helping start conversations, helping curate the discussions that are happening in the community because we've built built trust in the climate tech community as, as a, a respected resource. And so I think oftentimes there are things that are just getting so much attention that we really have to break them down. Um, and like we need to prioritize like demystifying one area or pointing out kind of the pros and cons, breaking down the the value chain and how this market is, is shaping, um, shaping up. But I think that at times, yeah, we want to get ahead of these conversations as well and, and bring attention to areas that investors might not be as familiar with um, or share resources. I, th- I think that is a part of the Monday newsletter as well is that we have a section that's a, you know, collection of a lot of different interesting stories or reports or tools. Um, and some of that is maybe a little outside of the scope of what we would go super deep on, but is pointing people toward what's happening in environmental justice, what's happening more broadly in, in kind of ecosystem restoration, preservation, those kinds of things. Um, so there's, I think there's an opportunity to do both. And it's really, it's really challenging to strike that balance when there's so much happening so fast. Um, but we get a lot of great feedback from readers as well. And I think that helps us identify what really resonates and, and when we're hitting on topics that um, people want to know more about. Awesome. Really quick, can you give a brief overview? What is the CTVC expansion platform and what will it be used for? Yeah, so CTVC, as I mentioned, started as a newsletter back in 2020 um, and has been tracking the, the venture capital deals within climate tech for the last three years. And so um, Kim is building out along with the co-founder, um, Mark, uh, an intelligence platform that that's starting from that data set of venture capital deals, um, but also hope, you know, planning to build that out and really provide um, a clear view of where different technologies are along the path to scaling and as well as kind of the impact of different technologies, really really trying to map out what are the hurdles going to be, who is investing in this, who is interested in using this technology as a customer, um, and, you know, what what does the path look like to, to, some, to any type of climate tech really reaching broader adoption. Um, so it's, it's aiming to give a lot of different kinds of organizations, you know, companies that might be, that might be looking for the solutions they need to meet their climate goals, investors who want to really zero in on climate impact, all kinds of different folks. Um, just a, a clearer view of the trends that are happening, how to, get ahead of that, how to best use um, this innovation for the problems they're trying to solve. Grace, thank you so much for joining us on Ecobyte. It was a great conversation and I'm excited to continue to read the newsletter and, and see how CTVC expands. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for great questions. <laughs>